Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you guys for listening and watching the Ultra Perform Show, the show about performing your best in business and life. I have Bill Schiffenheimer. Is that how you say it? Schiffenheimer? Schiffenhauer. Schiffenhauer. I have Bill Schiffenhauer. Why does it do that? It's not supposed to do that. It like switched back. Technology. It's stupid. It's not right. supposed to do that. So uh, we have any technical difficulty real quick. Bree, what you're going to have to do is turn the camera like the Instagram one. They changed it. You used to be able to do that. No, no, not like that. With the little tool there. I'll come over there. <laughs> Bill, oh, why don't you introduce yourself? All right. So, everyone. You got it. All right. This is why I hired her. She's smart. Sweet. She's going to get a job at some other store. I was like, no, you're way too smart to work at that store. <laughs> all right, really? well, great. So, the camera's on me. It's yeah, nice. it's all about you. So, tell, tell us about your stuff. So, hey. We still have two other videos. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Well, let, me, let me really introduce you. Okay. So, Bill, Bill is an Olympian, right? Yeah. And he is a third, what was it, three-time Olympian and silver medalist. Yeah. Right? And what was it that you performed in? What was it that you excelled at? Men's parachute figure skating. It was not. No, it was not. Me. I just wasn't paying attention. That's why you say it. See, at least I know it. Yeah. Uh, sport of bobsled, four-man bobsled, two-man and four-man bobsled. Two-man and four-man bobsled. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, so what was, uh, why did you decide to do that? What made you go, I want to be an Olympian? Because not every day yeah. someone wakes up and says, I want to be an Olympian. Right? Or they do, but they don't actually put the dedication and work and time to take yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And, you know, for me, at a really young age, obviously, you know a little bit about my story. I grew up with, you know, drug-addicted parents, homelessness, 17 different foster homes, and uh, folks, don't worry, we're just fixing some technical yeah. stuff as we're going along yeah, here, but we're just making it happen, so it doesn't matter. Um, so I grew up in a really bad environment, and you know, when I was a youth, I decided that I didn't want to follow the footsteps of you know, what my mom was providing and stuff. And she was doing the best she could with the tools that she had at the time, mm-hmm. right? But I just knew that I was meant for something bigger and better in life. And... As as I was in junior high, you know, I started trying to figure out like what could I do, what could I, you know, what could I excel at, what could I connect with, and you know, at the time I moved up north to a small town where it was all rural, you know, white kids. It is what it is, and it's totally fine. I was a kid who stood out, but I noticed a bunch of kids going out to um, a practice of some sort, and they're handing off this and jumping over this and running around the circle of things, and coming to find out, it's track and field. And in my head, I was like, wow, I run from cops, jump fences. <laughs> and it was my first opportunity to turn something from a negative into a positive. Yeah, yeah. And most kids, when they're in seventh grade, are not thinking about that. Right? No, not at all. Either get in trouble or squirrels or stuff like that. 
um, voice down. But I knew that I was meant for something bigger. And so um, I decided to go after it and, you know, met with the coaches. I ended up actually doing really, really well my first year. I got kicked off the team my, um, my first year track. So eighth grade, got kicked off the team from Alphamoff. And my second year, my ninth grade. Did you just say you did really well? So oh, I was doing really no, I was doing oh, really well. Like, through all the triads. Uh, why did you get kicked out from Alpha? You know, it's one of those things that, like, again, I want to do those push-ups. Well, no, you, you, you know, we always hear about it. You can take the kid out of the streets, but you can't take the street out of the kid. And, and that's kind of what the situation was. And so, ended up getting in trouble for that. And uh, the next year, had to really work with my my teachers um, to understand like the disciplines and what it really took to be able to step into this opportunity of competing in, in sports and, and seeing what that's like. And so my ninth grade year I did, I had a lot of fun with it. I wasn't sure what I was doing, just enjoying the sport for what it was and belonging to something for the first time. And then when I went to high school, that's when I was first approached um, by the coaches about you know, the decathlon, which is what I ended up doing in track and field, and then the Olympics. And, you know, I was trying to change my stars, going from this kid who was never supposed to amount to anything to changing history and proving not only to other people, but more importantly to myself, that I could do this. What well, changing history how? Um, because, I, again, I was a kid who grew up in the system. And most people out there, when they see kids in the system, the expectation is extremely low. Oh, yeah. They don't ever expect to and so I was like, okay, if I'm going to be a st statistic, why don't I be a statistic on the other side mm -hmm. in a positive way? Well, you turn it to, exactly, you turn it to a positive thing. Like uh, my experience with my dad is that his statistics for him to live were low. Mm -hmm. And they kept telling me that. And I'm like, this isn't helping, man. I yeah. it. He could die. No shit. It yeah. He's 80 or whatever, right? Yeah. And uh, I decided it, it was a big lesson for me to focus on statistics. Yeah. Other side. And so there's a chance. So I focus on the chance a lot of the time. Sometimes I fail, but yeah. a lot of time you win too. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't focus on the actual statistics. You just focus on winning. Winning, right? Yeah. And you know, one of the one of the things that I've learned later in life is you know what you think, say, and do um, when when they're all what they're supposed to be, then you're you're in alignment. And that's and that's what I was trying to get to at you without even knowing that that's what I was trying to do. But, you know, I remember the coaches telling me, like, oh, if you do the decathlon, it's considered the best athlete in the world. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want. I want to, you know, I want to go from being nobody to one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and when they brought up the whole idea of going to the Olympics and saying you could change your stars, you could solidify your name in the history books forever. No one can ever take that away. Mm -hmm. I was cool. like, that's So no matter what you do. Doesn't right? matter. Right. Doesn't matter. The name will always be. In the book, as a three-time Olympian, Olympic champion. So, so I, I pursued that with a passion, and um, you know, had a obviously um, did really, really well through you know high school, college, and track and field. Um, had some great success also post college, mm -hmm. and you know, it comes time to 2000 Sydney Olympics, and at that point in time, I was ranked number three in the world in the decathlon getting ready to make the Olympics and it was that time where everyone's like, oh, it's about to happen. He's finally going to make the Olympics. And I go down and I think it ends up getting injured down at BYU, which takes me completely out of the picture of competing in the 2000 Sydney Olympics. And it was devastating. 2006? 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. 
And I was devastated. Um, you know, I felt like my, all my dreams came crashing down. Um, you know, in, in a way, I gave up on myself and um, was devastated. Kind of fell into a depression and, and you know, just was done. And, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, I, I'm, I'm really big at, like, paying attention to the little things that the universe delivers to you. Because if we can find those little wins, those little gems in life, and you take notice of them, you can capture them, and they can go into something really, really big. And so that's what happened with me. Um, <clears throat> someone who knew someone else that knew someone else said, hey, why don't we try out for the Winter Olympics here in Salt Lake City? Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. The Winter Olympics? Well, like, where am I going to run right here? Right? I don't yeah. ski. I don't figure skate. I don't, you know, you know play hockey. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? And that's when they introduced me to the sport of bobsled. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, guys like you that are fast, powerful, strong, are really good fits for the sport. And then this way, I was introduced to the sport via cool running the movie. So Jamaican bobsled team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. And, and, you know, I, I found, you know, that sparks an interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I had an opportunity to truly see the U.S. team competing over in St. Louis, Switzerland, I was like, that's really cool. Oh, really? And so, so what, wait, what is, it, what is it you liked about that when you saw them performing? Or I call it performing. Yeah, just the, the competition and, and the opportunity to still fulfill my dream of going to the Olympics. Because, you know, if you, you think back, the goal was to go to the Olympics. The goal wasn't specifically to go to the Olympics in track and field. It was to be an Olympian and represent your country in, in the best platform in the world. And so it was like, okay, great. Whether I make it in track and field, bobsled, badminton, basket weaving, it didn't matter. It was still the same. So, you know, when we sat down and had this conversation, we're like, how cool would that be if we could take that story, how you grew up homeless on the streets of Salt Lake City, foster care, games, drugs, all that stuff, and turn it around, spin that story around, that you eventually grew up here the way you did, and then went to the Olympics in the same city you grew up in. Mm-hmm. And we're like, light went off in my head, right? Yeah. And I was so like, you're re-motivated. So. Yeah, re-motivated. So again, taking a negative situation and turning it into a positive. And that's, it's a lot of things that like, people don't do. When they have a negative experience in life, they always only conceive the negative. Yeah. And you know, I just welcome people to like, look at what are the positive things, like what can you learn from that situation? And you know, for me, I was like, yeah, what if we could write that story? What if we could do that? And so, with a year and three months to go before the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, I just basically took everything that we had for track and field, pulled it up, dropped it into a bobsled bucket, and just went for it 100%. Just committed to it, um, you know, was passionate about it. And a year and three months later, I found myself at the Olympic Games here in Salt Lake City, right. winning the first Olympic medal for the US now in year, six years. Now, a year and three months was a short amount of time, right? <laughs> ridiculously yeah, yeah. short amount of time. Yeah. You could have done it if you didn't have the previous experience, right? Yeah, it would be hard. Um, you know, <clears throat> that's the thing you have, you know, all these athletes have been their whole life in a moment in time. And the, the, the difference between, you know, maybe them and me is like, it didn't matter. Again, it didn't matter if I was going to the Olympics, like I said, in track or bobsled. The intention was still the same thing. And I was going to go one way or another. And that's what really happened. Now, and did you have people mad at you that you started a short time and they were working on it for? Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, no, they were. Oh yeah, <laughs> there was 
there were so many athletes that had been in the sport of bobsled for a while that were, um, it was pretty chaotic for a while. I mean, I had athletes like when we were at practice pushing me out of the way, uh, threatening me, telling me I didn't belong there. Um, you think about it, like all that still happened. I mean, you could literally write a movie about like how that happened because I was the guy that they were literally pushing out, like, you don't belong here. We've been here the whole time and blah, blah, blah. And my response to them was like, I understand what you're saying. I appreciate it. But, you know, I've done my hard work and my goal and my dream is always to be an Olympian. And, you know, I, I hope you've done yours because I'm going to go to the Olympics. So, and, and why, why do you think people get like that? Like, they see you doing something and they want to tear it down. Um, you know, in some cases, I think it's... I, I never, I don't yeah. quite understand it. Like, just let me alone, dude. Yeah. Or you do it. Or do something else. No, they, they, you know, they look at it as a threat. And, and it's unfortunate they do, you know. You know, because, you know, if I see somebody stepping in my world with something that I'm doing, something I'm trying to accomplish, my response and, and to them is like, what can I do to help you? You know, because when it comes to life for me, like, I want my competition to be the very, very, very best that it can possibly be. Because that only helps raise my level of competition and my consciousness and my mindset as well. So you just get people that, you know, maybe they haven't done the work they're supposed to do. Uh, maybe they haven't prepared well enough. Um, there's all sorts of reasons um, that you know, they may have. The phone fell <clears throat> right here. Right. One of the phones fell, folks. But there's, you know, there's all sorts of reasons, you know, that I'm not going to get attached to you because I knew that I've done the work, I had the goal, I had the dream, I executed a great game plan, and that's what I was going to do, you know. And so if you haven't done what you were supposed to do, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about it. Because the only thing I can do is, you know, take care of me and my goals and my dreams. Good. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned, uh, you're talking about depression, addiction, and suicide. Can you share yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, kind of streamlined through, you know, the next couple of years, you know, of course, I made two more Olympic Games, and uh, I retired exactly when I wanted to on my terms, so I didn't look back and say I should have, could have, would have. When was that? Uh, 2010 was my last Olympics. So, good grief, 10 years ago. Was it 10? Yeah, holy mm-hmm. smokes. 10 years ago, folks. Um, and, you know, I told myself, because I was on the road 10 months out of the year, and, you know, that's time away from my family, time away from my kids, time away from my friends, um, so on and so on. And, you know, that, that becomes difficult, not only for me, but the people on the other end, my family, they're having mm-hmm. like, oh, support, you know, the guy who's gone all the time. And when I was preparing to retire, you know, I kept telling myself, I am so done. I just want to be a normal guy and just get a regular job. And there's nothing wrong with that until you throw in the factor of, like, unless you prepare to be a normal person, then that's where the problem is. Because I have always been, you know, living a life of Olympian, competing at the very, very top, and, you know, traveling around the world, um, and engaging with some of the most amazing and influential people from athletes to coaches to influencers around the world. And so when I told myself, you know, I just want to be a normal person, again, that's fine, but I didn't know how to be a normal person. And so right then and there, I set myself up for failure of, you know, again, I retired. Um, I lost my identity of who I was. Um, that started to tailspin with, you know, having a really hard time with my relationships, both with friends and family, 
uh, couldn't like secure a, a regular job to save my life. Really? And 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 I did what most people do. Why was it? Skills you built up all these years. There wasn't an application there. No, it's, it was it was it was me not knowing exactly how to be a regular person, or just you know. And the thing was, like I, honestly, I didn't have to do anything different than I did that, you know, that got me to the Olympics. But I tried to reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. and I really didn't have to. And so that kind of sent me into a tailspin of, um, you know, I started, uh, you know, having issues with depression. Um, so I started getting medication for that. Um, when that didn't work the way I thought it was supposed to work, I started utilizing alcohol in combination with the depression, depression medication. On top of that, all the years of competing in sports, I started mm-hmm. using a combination of the depression medication, alcohol, and pain pills all at the same time, which obviously is like, Death combination like one to one, and um, it sent me into a tailspin for eight and a half years, um, bouncing from job to job, relationship to relationship, blaming all my problems on everyone else, um, isolating myself, just living in a world of chaos and darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, <clears throat> eventually, you know, with a combination of those things and, and that, it was I don't know if you want to call it game plan, you know, that eventually led to you know, December third of twenty sixteen. Um, I attempted a suicide. It was just done. And that wasn't that long ago. Actually. No, it wasn't that long ago. <clears throat> it wasn't that long ago, actually. Yeah, not very long ago at all. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I remember the, the doctors told me I was very, very lucky that I lived because I, you know, I, it is what it is. I lost so much blood. And, and uh, you know, it, all, throughout those eight and a half years after my uh, retirement, I was just like, why is nothing working out for me, right? Mm-hmm. And it just came from that victim mentality. Yeah. And, you know, everything that went wrong was someone else's fault, and, you know, why isn't somebody coming to save me? And, uh, you know, fortunately, um, I was able to overcome that and, and obviously survive because we're here today, folks. Here we are. <laughs> and, you know, don't get me wrong, there was still another two, two and a half years that I still dealt with a lot of depression, alcohol, and, and issues that come along with that. I mean, t- two DUIs, you know, issues with girlfriends and relationships. Um, you know, issues with girlfriend, but yeah, right. Jobs, um, financial, like you name it, I've experienced it when it comes to those those issues and situations. And um, a little over a year ago today, we just talked about like me in the process of doing my big one year review recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I was approached um, because I have a very healthy network of people. I was approached by a guy that wanted to make a connection to the U.S. Olympic Committee to sell a product, and he and I were talking and. You know, I remember after our first call, he's like, hey, I actually have this uh, mentor group that we're, we're beta testing. You know, would you be interested in being a part of it? And I was like, oh, yeah. And even up to that point, I've been kind of mentoring and coaching some people, but not on a serious level. And I've been a motivational speaker for 19 years at that point. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me try this out and see what it's like. And the first conversation we have was talking about, do you lead a life by default or do you lead a life by design? And that really caught and sparked my interest. I was like, what are we talking about? And so the conversation started going like, if you lead a life by default, that means that you had like a specific intention of what you wanted to do and achieve and accomplish in life, but you've now found yourself on a path that you're not even near where you're supposed to be. And you're in this land of la-la and lost. And if you lead a life by design, you're 100% on track and you're accomplishing and doing all the things that you want to do in life and it's actually easy. And I was like, because I reflected and did some real serious self-reflection, I was like, man, I'm leading a life 100% by default. 
nothing in my life is going the way I wanted to go. Um, again, coming from a victim mentality, it's everyone else's fault. And we start getting to the conversation about being accountable for everything that you do. And, you know, we're like, well, <clears throat> if you lead a life by default, it's not too late. And we can declutter and deconstruct what you've created to start all over and rebuild your architecture by design. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's huge. If there's, you know, if there was an opportunity for me to get out and get away from where I was at, um, this is definitely the, the one opportunity I had. And, and I just, like, I jumped on, I grasped it, and went, you know, realized that, again, that the success I had as an Olympic athlete, I didn't have to change anything to be as successful as a regular human being, right? Mm-hmm. And started just, you know, really engaging and, and taking massive action on everything that we talked about. And, and for me, that came first and foremost with, after that first call, I literally, I don't know if you ever heard about mirror work, but I literally went from that phone call, that Zoom call, mm-hmm. into my bathroom, and I stared in the mirror at myself for an extended period of time, and I'm talking minutes and minutes, and looking at myself until I saw a totally different person. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with that person in the mirror, and I said, you know what, no one's going to come save you. You know, it's everything that's happened in your life to this point, you have to be 100% accountable for. And if you want it to change, then the only person who can change it is you. Mm-hmm. And it was to the point where I was like crying, having a conversation with this other person, which was me in the sure. air. Sure. And uh, decided right from there and there, that's going to take some real serious action and make a difference and maybe change my life. And, and definitely did. So, um, I literally sold everything in my apartment. I lived up in Ogden, in a 2,300 square foot apartment all by myself, two cats and a dog. Um, you know, gave my, my animals to some great homes. Everything in my apartment. I had a company that I was running at that point in time that didn't serve me or serve my purpose. Mm-hmm. So I literally shut that down, didn't even bother selling it. Interesting. And um, <clears throat> kept everything except, you know, well, got rid of everything except like my Olympics memorabilia and uh, decided that I was also going to need to move to surround myself with influential people, you know, people that had the same ideas, thoughts, love, care, creation that I did. And so moved down to uh, Salt Lake and started surrounding myself with those people and you know, very strategically picking them out. And, um, you know, six months into it, uh, I remember one of my mentors was like, wow, like in a six-month period, you created and made more transformation in six months than most people hope to make in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that really resonated with me as well. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep on this path. And, you know, part of my path, too, back then when I made the transformation, one of the things I kind of skipped over was that I, I really set standards on specific pillars of focus that I was going to keep and stay with. And for me, that came with, you know, mentoring, coaching, my nonprofit, and just helping people come from a place of service. And that's what was really resonated and I'm really passionate about. And, and, and now today, it's a year later, and I've been able to create just amazing opportunities. Um, you know, I'm involved with a lot of things here locally in the community, nationally and internationally, and, and uh, just really building a life by design and, and having a great time. What, uh, tell us a little bit about your nonprofit, you mentioned. Yeah, so, um, you know, I have a nonprofit. It's called PowerInYou.me, and that's all about uh, dealing with depression, addiction, and suicide. Um, I realized that 
you know, this, it is what it is. Those, those issues are worldwide and global. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that, you know, my role, I can only help so many people. Um, but that issue is also an issue within the Olympic family and military, which are two organizations that are very close and dear to my heart. And so <clears throat> my, my first time actually coming out and talking about my depression and addiction and suicide was literally this year, about seven months ago. And I was extremely nervous, which is weird for me. You know me. I, I mean, I've been on stage in front of thousands of sure, people. Sure, yeah. And I uh, had an opportunity to do it at a private event here in Utah um, around some fairly influential people, which for me at that time would have like did scare the death out of me at the time. Um, but the universe is just telling me like you have to talk about your situation because you can help change so many people's lives based off of your experience and what you've overcome and now where you're at. And so I get up and I and I tell my story at this event. And uh, I remember I get done and I'm like overwhelmed with emotion and I walked out after I was done and I was shocked at how many people came up to me and were like, you know what, I'm, I'm so thankful that you were vulnerable enough to tell your story mm-hmm. about your addiction, suicide, depression. Yeah, you're very open, right? A lot of people are. Yeah, and, and they're like, because, because you being vulnerable enough to tell your story, I feel like I can tell my story now. And a light went off in my head. I was like, wow. Maybe that's part of the solution to the issues of depression, addiction, and suicide. Because it's not that we're not talking about it. We talk about it all the time. You know, if people are pressed and, you know, we call our friends, hey, if you have a problem, just call me up. Um, but the people that are in that dark place, like, they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's their best friend or family member, they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about it. But if we so, if you're so depressed, I mean, I've been depressed too. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, it only goes back. It's crippling. Yeah, you're like, yeah. And so the way I look at it is like, you know, me as an Olympic athlete, you know, that most people like, wow, he's got this phenomenal life. If I told my story and I was vulnerable about it, and that really resonated with people across the board, I was like, maybe, just maybe that's part of the solution to the problem. So if I get other people that are influencers, um, you know, both sports, um, whatever it is, doesn't even matter. If I get them to commit to telling, you know, two or three minute story about their situation that they've overcome, um, and then we create a tribe of, you know, great, amazing people and great resources, then maybe we can help be part of the solution to the problem. And so we're, you know, it's something, you know, the, the website and all that stuff's up and running. And that's the Olympian Speaks? No, that's my speaking one. It's the Power in His speaking one, yeah. Olympian Speaks. Yeah. The other one. And, and the nonprofit is The Power in You Got Me. The power in you dot me, and we'll add that to our information here because that Olympian speaks on him. Yeah, so Olympian speaks is my my speaking and my mentor and, and consulting platform. But um, I my story, my experience could really help change and save a lot of lives out there, and it already has. You know, I've talked to some people that, um, you know, unfortunately they got into that dark space and they were ready to take that step and mm-hmm. you know like I said by hearing my story and, and me just communicating and talking. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I've had I've had people tell me that my videos made a turn for yeah, they were preparing to do it and they actually heard a video and they stopped. I was like right? should I should not stop making videos. Yeah. Well no, because it's something that they can you know <clears throat> relate to. It's relatable. Mm-hmm. When I tell my story, you know, whether I'm an Olympian or a regular guy or somebody extremely powerful and popular in the world, 
but I'm telling a story about something that you're going through right now, then that's relatable. And, and, and the mind typically is like, okay, if they're able to like overcome it, like maybe I should listen a little bit more. And that's, that's, that's the goal, right? I just want people to like give us an opportunity to help you have an opportunity to continue to live on and live a fulfilling oh, that's awesome. life. That's really awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show yeah, very absolutely. much, Bill. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening and watching to the Alta Perform Show. If you'd like to be on the Alta Perform Show, message us at thealtaperformshow.com. You can also check out our products at altaperform.com. And if you'd like to do some coaching with me, you can contact me at adamtagedean.com, which is below on the uh, description of this show. And we're very thankful to have Bill on here. Thank you, Bree, for being our tripod today. We had a little technical uh, problem right there and everything else that you do. And thank you guys for listening and watching to the show. See ya. See you guys. Oh my goodness. It's okay, it happens. We're still live, folks. Yeah, it does. uh, I thought the closing here. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.